Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to Josh Page, the editor of The Domestique. As you'll hear, The Domestique started out as a blog where Josh and his friends could tell their stories about cycling, but it's evolved into a fully-fledged print magazine, and while cycling is still at the heart of things, this latest issue also includes stories on motorcycle racing and wild swimming, alongside many different types of cyclists doing what they do. The one thing that has stayed the same note is the Domestique's focus on community with a heavy emphasis on accessibility and the desire to look beyond professional male racers to create a more diverse and I think more interesting picture of cycling and sports as a whole. But of course running your own magazine isn't just about riding your bike with your friends and Josh speaks about his own discomfort with advertising and why he decided that the original blog had to be retired because it was just taking too much time. He's obviously massively driven by a love for his sport as well as a love for print magazines so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Josh Page from The Domestique. All right, Josh, thank you very much for stopping over to talk to us about this magazine. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so we've got um, The Domestique, and this is the second issue of a magazine which is predominantly cycling, but with like, some other bits in there. So like, maybe just start by telling us, like, what is this magazine and why did you start making it? Yeah, so um, first of all, I started making it as a, it started as a blog and um, it is a place for myself, some friends and some people within the community to kind of share their stories and tell stories and I kind of wanted to to evolve from that and to be a physical product that people could enjoy, smell and look at and you know get everything you do from a magazine basically. Um, So it's evolved into now kind of a sports lifestyle magazine if you like but we kind of focus on the inclusivity of sport, um, sharing those kind of lesser heard stories that maybe would have never been heard or never had an audience before, but deserve to, basically. And like looking back at, I mean, sports magazines in general, but particularly cycling magazines, there have been some absolute greats over the years. There have been some massive ones. Are there any in particular that you look to for inspiration in what you're doing? Uh, to be honest, I don't really look at cycling magazines as such. I kind of stick to the kind of indie magazines for their kind of quirkiness, if you like. Um, cycling magazines, I find a bit, um, by the rules, always about professionals, normally about male professionals as well. So I try and avoid, nothing against those magazines, but I try and avoid that and kind of take a completely fresh look at the sports and the cycling magazine, if you like, basically. And so, that, I mean, I think that's very well expressed in the within this magazine. You, I mean, you've got some track cycling. So, and I guess track cycling is really big at the moment. I'm trying to think if you've got some road racing, or maybe a little bit in there. But actually, you've just got like all sorts of stuff. You've got people like racing on a beach. You've got like the guys who like make the bikes. The, what, what are you looking for in someone like to actually be in the mag? Um, so it's purely that um, I look for the stories that anyone could be a part of, basically. So the Team KGF um, against the grain article, as you mentioned, uh, track cycling, that was just 
Well, you, you, you've got to tell people, so the people who have, have seen this, so the, give, give us the background, what is this story? So Team KJF are a group of five amateur cyclists who um, are track cyclists and they specialise in the team pursuit, which is, as some people may have heard, that's kind of what Team GB um, are kind of renowned for and that's kind of their, they're like idolised as heroes. And Team, G- Team KJF kind of go against that and... They take a completely new approach. They all have day jobs. They live together in the same apartment. They're like they're complete amateurs in terms of that regard, but they're real sports persons, and um, yeah, they compete against the great. It's a massive like kind of David and Goliath kind of story, if you like, and that kind of encapsulates what the magazine's about, basically inclusivity, and that anyone can do it. And so, how do you come across a story like that? It's just having your ear to the ground, basically, and listening out for these stories. I'm always taking notes if I hear an event or a team or a person who's done something kind of extraordinary, if you like, um, making notes of that, and then just finding the right people who can portray that story in the best way possible. Because, I I mean, I'm guessing, I know from the moody shot of you in the next editor's letter, you are a cyclist. I am a cyclist. And, yeah, I took part in that beach race that you mentioned, which was just a nuts race out in the bottom of Wales um, along a beach and then through the backwoods of a beach. But we were just kind of looking at the profiles and the type of people who are kind of come to these races. And that's what it's all about, you know, anyone can race in that. And that's what's nice about that kind of community. Anyone can be a part of it. And you've really reflected that in the piece as well. So that you've got like, the, the thing that I find really remarkable is you can see you've got people with all different types of bikes who are turning up. So you've got people with big fat tires, you've got mountain bikes and cyclocross bikes. It almost feels like no one quite knows what bike you should be riding. No. So that anyone can just turn up. Yeah, but like when I turned up, I'd, I'd never really done a cross like, like off-road race like that so I was asking people for advice on like what tires pressure to run and all that kind of geeky stuff but like in the photos you can see there's like the Belgian national beach race champion and like whoever knew that's like a champion to be to be Um, and then you've got some guys who are just part of a club in a local area and they're just taking part so it's like it's just a nice story really and you've got some amazing photography in that as well. And it sounds like there's a bit of a story behind the story in terms of the photographer was in Japan or something. Yeah, so Matt, who is um, like a big kind of influence in the magazine, he was out working in Tokyo on a job and literally flew back on like three cans of Red Bull and drove <laughs> straight there and had about two hours sleep. And then we shot, he shot that whilst I was just having fun, like in the sand, basically, yeah, 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 which yeah. is cool. But yeah, it's a good day. And so, you, like, this is a friend of yours. So that, like, you're starting a magazine, so you're basically calling in favours and saying, like, come on, help, help me do this. Exactly, yeah. So it's really cool, actually. After Volume 1, which was pretty much myself and Matt putting together that, um, we had so many, like, creatives reaching out to us and, like, with their passion for what we are doing and love for what we are doing. But also they wanted to be a part of it. And I've like always been clear from the outset with all the people who have been involved that I can't pay you. Like most magazines have a really limited budget. I can't pay you, but hopefully what you get from it is like the enjoyment of being part of something new. And most people are just like, I never thought about money anyway. I just want to, I want to be part of it. It's cool. And it's amazing that you get that from people. And that's kind of what it thrives off as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. And also, the, I think one of the things that these magazines do so well is just create instant community. There's the, for some reason, people want to come together under this thing. Have you, like, 
have you had any events or meetups or, or other things for people to get involved? So we had the launch party for Volume 2, which is... Um, I remember setting it up on the day, got to six o'clock and I was so nervous that no one was there. <laughs> it was just me on my own and I cut like a tin of beer. Um, but like, I already had like over a hundred people come to that and it was just incredible. I didn't know half of them. And it was like, yeah, you, like you say, we celebrate the communities that we publish in the magazine, but we also bring like those communities together within the magazine and like create new interests for people to discover. And then that hopefully becomes a really great springboard for you into issue three because then you've got more people who want to contribute and be part of this thing. Exactly. And I'm, I, what really excites me about it is the evolution of the magazine. We started as a blog. It turned into a paper form magazine, which was strictly spot cycling. This issue was we're starting to delve a bit further into different sports and their communities. And then hopefully we get to maybe like volume 20 and it's just nothing's the same apart from the name, basically. Volume 20 already. I like it. You're, you're thinking well ahead. So tell us a bit about these other sports then, because you've got, uh, I think it's like wild swimming is in there. You've got some motorbike riding in there. Well, like, what made those fit for this? Um, it's, it's the same kind of kind of vibe. as it's, Anyone can be a part of it. Um, the wild water swimming was a just something that really stood out to me in terms of the photography was incredible that Chris Lanaway put together um, so we wanted to understand a bit more about why he's doing that project basically um, and then after laying it up on the paper we wanted to we want to look more into the profiles so it's like kind of evolving again but it's, it's strictly that anyone can be a part of it anyone can do those sports so why not put that into paper and also it strikes me that like paper is also very democratic as a medium like you you don't need to have a particular device you literally pick this thing up and you've got it and it's yours it feels like that sort of fits with the outreach of what you're trying for with this yeah exactly um it's like uh a lot of people went into making that magazine um and that's something like we're really proud of and anyone can read it basically it's made by local like a local community and it's aimed at a local community and far wide but yeah that's something like we kind of cherish as well uh, and you've managed to get a good amount of advertising in there as well i mean i guess it helps that cycling is a sport that has natural advertisers like if you've got people who are making ball bearings mm. they're going to want to advertise in your magazine is this it, it can i ask is the magazine like covering its costs or the yeah, so the, the advertising kind of covers the cost of print and then we sell the magazine and that kind of goes towards the next magazine and like giving a bit few expenses to the people who are involved in it. It's, that's something I really struggle with, like selling paper to people, but um, it's probably just part of the process, isn't it? Advertising is just hard. Like the, taking money off anyone for anything is hard. But the, I mean, so... I'm right in thinking, is it four pages of ads you've got in here? I think so, yeah, four pages. I tried. I, I don't want it to be about advertising. That's another reason why, like we spoke about cycling magazines before, you flick through the first five spreads and every one of them is a different bike brand. And I just I hate that. You're paying a lot of money to like watch an advert, basically. Um, so I try and avoid, keep it down to a min minimum. Include people and brands that get the concept of the domestique and want to be a part of it like jam cycling they're a local 
kind of distributor of cycling parts, but they're just into the whole idea and they're helping distribute it. And um, yeah, so I kind of want brands to be involved who are into it as well, basically. So you, you've got someone there who's like a bit of a partner rather than just like a plain yeah. advertiser. And I guess that also helps when you're going to people and trying to persuade them to be part of this thing. It sounds like you knew them before you were working with them as an advertiser. Yeah, so they were involved in volume one as well. In the, um, they put a bit of money into that as well. But they're really cool guys. One of the guys, Chris Hall, he was in the first one. He rode 107 kilometres for 107 days for charity. That was all in the first copy. He's part of Jam Cycling. So it's all, like we said, it's like a, a community within that as well. So when you're going to them, like for issue one, you've got no magazine. You've got the blog, so I guess that helps. But you don't have a thing to put in front of them. Like, th- this is something people always ask. Right? How do you go about convincing someone to give you some money for something that doesn't actually exist yet? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, really. Maybe <laughs> I just have like, some sort of magical charm. Because I, I, even when I sat down and I had the idea of producing volume one, like... To be completely honest, I sat down and I like opened up Publisher on like a PC and was like, actually, this is way harder than I thought. Um, but like, everyone kind of gets like maybe my passion and the people who are involved, they've all got a passion for it, and they kind of see that and they like what we did with the blog, and then they wanted to be involved in the magazine, and then it's all just stemmed from there. It's all just just people just love it. <laughs> Well, that is a very nice position to be in. And you're also doing, like, extra kind of flashy things. So the copy I've got here, uh, so we'll take some pictures of this to put them on the blog so people can see. Uh, So this is the limited edition volume two, which I only realised, like, when I was looking at your site, like, the so this cover is different. So tell us about this cover and why it's different to the the other one. Our Vizico is um, an illustrator based up in Scotland, Um, but he put a lot of time into these illustrations that I had this wacky idea, I think, creating like these emotions. Within cycling, you have a lot of sayings and traditions and none of them really make sense outside of cycling. Just as if like you look at emojis and sometimes they don't make sense, you need kind of an explanation. So I kind of put those two together and selected a few phrases and uh, gave them to Vaziko to, to say, could you illustrate these? And he had like no idea what I was on about. <laughs> So it's like that just sums it up, um, and I thought these are just extra. Like they're so special. These little these little illustrations, um, they just needed to be on the front cover. So so you've called them the domojis, so as in the domestic emojis. Uh, to, like I'm looking at one here, which is like uh, a pair of socks. Why why is there a pair of socks as an emoji? So hashtag sock doping is just some crazy cycling term where you know the, the wilder socks you have the better basically although that's kind of going back in itself now back to white but that was a big thing for some time and everyone was always like what does that even mean but it's just a, a play on words and uh i think it they just these emojis needed uh explaining basically and there's a so there's one here with like someone who's like on a bike but totally like conked out what was that one uh so i think that was bonk and if you mentioned bonk to most people they'd have no idea but that's when you'll just lose all your energy and you're just you just feel dead on your bike and bonk i don't know even know where bonk came from maybe it's a belgium expression to begin with but 
it needs explaining. <laughs> so th- this is something that very clearly comes out of a community. This is like it's made for a bunch of people who you have your own language to to describe this. How do you then go about translating that for someone more like me who like you know I ride my bike and I like it, but I've never talked about bonk before. Um, I'm not sure. Like things like this are kind of simple and you can kind of grasp them quite quickly, but I suppose that's kind of where. It's, social media comes in in some regard you build these communities like socked open was based from a social media kind of hashtag um but you have these communities on social media and you can build brands on social media and you can with that you can kind of slowly feed your interests into other people's kind of feeds and they can become interested in it and that's kind of what the domestic does as well and evolve in that, introducing introducing new people, new stories, new communities, um, and just slowly kind of drip feeding different kind of things from different kind of places. So you've got some like long term supporters, and they don't just put money into the mag, but they also help to sell it for you. Like, where else are you actually putting this magazine? Where will people find a copy? So it's in. Quite, hopefully we'll be in quite a few kind of cycling kind of cafes because that's kind of where it started if you like um, which is where Jam Cycling are helping and then I'm working quite hard to get it into as many kind of independent magazine shops as possible um, I'd quite like it to move away from the strictly cycling kind of world and be an entity in itself so places like Magma we've got it into which is like amazing <laughs> and Charlotte Street News and then places up in Stockport called Rare Mags which is like a really nice little shop um, yeah and then it's obviously available on our website online as well Have you been up to Stockport and seen Rare Mags? I haven't yet but um, I'm going up in a couple of months to Manchester so I'm going to make the trip and say hey Cause I, So I've seen this place online but I have never actually set foot in myself and there, actually there are so many of these little independent magazine places popping up all over the place it must for someone like you it must be a really exciting opportunity to get this out in front of more and more people yeah I mean seeing something that you've spent so long on making in the window of a shop is kind of you know you feel quite proud and humble about that Um, but to also be involved with these people who are also creating their own kind of life in these these shops is it's amazing I'm like all for that so it's cool to be a part of the story if you like absolutely so this whole thing started out as a blog. So now you're working in print. Are you still going with the blog? Is that like the first place that things get published? Uh, no, we kind of abandoned the blog because it's just um, so much work. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a day job and uh, if I'm blogging and making a magazine, it's just a lot. But I'm trying to get it back now. Like we have, a, like I think some of the photography in here needs further explaining some of the portraits so we're talking to some of these people like the wild water swimmers and we're going to do some little profiles and interviews with the people that are involved and put it on back on the blog and get it back going and kind of have them working um, together and we're also um, I've just started this idea called sponsor me like kind of based on the old kind of uh, skate videos that amateurs used to send to um, skate brands to get sponsorship uh, and we're going to put together like a series of these kind of profiles, videos, like kind of a multimedia package 
on these different characters from all kind of walks of life and different kind of sports and kind of put those on the blog and maybe select the best ones to go in the next kind of magazine. So, yeah, that sounds quite cool. So you, you've got the blog acting as a bit of a filter for you where you put stuff up there, see what the response is like, and then the best bits come into the print magazine. Yeah. What, so what is the, I mean, you like you kind of like flippantly mentioned like issue 20 earlier. What, what's the big sort of aim with the magazine? Is this something that you want to become your job and it's what you're doing the whole time? Or do, is it more like it's a passion thing and you just want to keep on doing it for that? Uh maybe a bit of both I suppose um, I really enjoy it like enjoy it as I said before I've never done this kind of stuff before but um, I've learned a lot and I think from this it's like it's starting to evolve and I like that evolution that it's changing so I'm not sure where it will go I'd like it to become a full-time job because I enjoy it that much but um, yeah I'm not sure where it's gonna go I just, yeah just keep it going for as long as possible basically <laughs> Very nice. Well, um, well, very good luck with it. Uh, it's a, a lovely little magazine and I'm looking forward to seeing more. Thank you very much. Okay, that's all for this week. Thanks again to Josh for coming over and speaking about the magazine. Check the Stack blog for our post showing some pictures of issue two of The Domestique. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, follow us wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be able to deliver our next episode to you as soon as it's ready. Thanks very much for listening and we'll be back with another one next week. <laughs>